This is the Hardline Sports Talk with Michael Merlo and John Michael Masiri on the SND Podcast Channel. That's right. I'm Michael Merlo. I'm with John Michael Masiri. I hope you guys enjoy that new intro. Sorry for the YouTube viewers, though. JM, how are you? Doing good, man. Happy April. Happy Fool's Day. It's April Fool's Day. And a lot of athletes and reporters think it's a funny thing to trick us on Twitter. I, I really, the nerve on them, right? Tell me about it. David Njoku says he was requesting a trade, although he already had requested a trade like a year or two ago. So it was very believable. And then LeBron says he's out for the year. See you next fall. And I was like, oh my God, this is really the fall of LeBron James and the Lakers. But so Julian Alvin posted something. Julian Alvin, I saw that. He's signing mm-hmm. with the Bucks. Not really. So it's been an interesting day. A lot of funny guys in the sports world, I'll tell you. Yeah, really. A lot of jokesters. A lot of jokesters. There's a lot to get to, though, of course, as we inch our way to baseball season, less than a week away from opening day. Uh, some teams do open up on the Friday, though, which is kind of strange that it's yeah. a little different. If that was my, t- my team as a fan, I'd be pissed. Well, luckily, we're both on Thursday. Thank God. God willing, you know, if there's rain out or anything. Right. Or if, like, somebody's like, hey, nobody ever signed the CBA paper, you know. <laughs> nobody nobody gets to play. Right. Yeah, there's more negotiations we got to go. But uh, you know what? I don't like to count my chickens before they hatch because I was looking forward to and even watched a spring training game last night in which the – announcers for the Mets. It was Wayne Randazzo. He was talking about the fact that Jacob deGrom a week from yesterday when the game was, he'll be making the opening day start. And now it doesn't look like that's going to be happening. I mean, at least for 2.08 PM on April 1st, it does not look like it's happening. He's getting an MRI done now there. We're still awaiting the results, but just more of the same with Jacob deGrom. Yeah. Um, it's, it keeps happening with him, like you just said. Uh, this is a guy who is probably the best player in baseball, honestly. You know, he's the best pitcher in baseball, and he's been doing it year in and year out. But he can't stay on the field, and he's got to put it together because he's a big, big factor for this team. And if he's not going to be there for the full year or for the bulk of it, then it's going to be a problem. And you're right. It goes back to last year. It's not just one certain body part. It's multiple body parts that he's getting injured all the time. And it's a concern. And this is a guy who the Mets gave a contract extension and he's expected to opt out of his, his uh, extension after this year and look for a new contract. But if he doesn't stay on the field, then I don't know if he opts out of that deal and we'll see what kind of contract he will get. There's a lot to this because we can talk about the contract extension that he's going to be due for if he opts out and he's going to be looking for more money than Max Scherzer got per year, which was $43 million per year. You have to think he's going to be looking for four years around $45 million a year. Now, of course, if everything went well this season, and it still could go well, but let's say he made you know close to 30 starts. He had 180 innings. He was an NL Cy Young Award winner. You would expect Steve Cohen and the Mets to give him the contract that he wants, no, ma- no matter what, he gets it. And we saw this last year where every little ache and pain was reported and every little tightness he had in his shoulder or his elbow or his lat, he would miss starts. He would get an MRI. 
Do you think this has something to do with the fact that he's on a contract in which many people would say he's underpaid? I mean, he is making $36 million this year, but still people would say that's an underpay for him. Do you think it has anything to do with his contract? Because the more and more of these things that come out, it makes me think it could be. I don't think it has anything to do with the contract, honestly. I just think the guy is 34, 33 years old, whatever he is. And he's got a lot of wear and tear on that arm. But a lot of people say that, oh, you know, DeGrom doesn't really have the wear and tear on the arm because he was a shortstop in college and everything like that. Listen, that doesn't matter. Everybody, everybody's different. You know, they're all human beings. Nobody's the same. And he's played for many years now. And he's probably, you know, shortstop. That's no short throw from shortstop either. Uh, thrown across the diamond. So it's not like this guy was born at 26 years old with a brand new arm. Um I don't know. We've seen his velocity go up year after year and his stuff get better and better. And and who knows, you know, we still, that's the age old question. We still don't know what it is that get these pitchers hurt all the time nowadays, but I'd imagine that it has to be something mechanically. It has to be the effort that he's doing when he's pitching. I don't know what it is, but something needs to change and he needs to fix his regimen or something, because listen, this is a guy who had a five war last year. In 15 starts, you scale that out to a full season, fully healthy season. He's the NL MVP easily. He's got a 12 war. So obviously this is a massive blow for the Mets. If this just keeps occurring, I mean, they're not going to sniff anything close to a world series. If this guy can't stay on the field, that's just the bottom line. And the problem is that it, or it happens already, right? So let's say this comes back clean, which knock on when it does, but I'll put a lot of money on it that it does come back clean. What do you do? Because it's, you're still, he's still feeling this in his shoulder. You're still going to shut him down for a week or two or however long the doctors say, and it's a boy who cried wolf and, and nothing, you know, we know a boy who cried wolf, nothing happened. Nothing's there. It happened multiple times last year. So what do you do with this guy? I, I just feel like, listen, he's my favorite player. He's definitely removing himself from that tag. I think at this point due to this, I don't think there's ever a time where Max Scherzer goes out there and doesn't feel a little soreness, a little something in his arm. Garrett Cole went out there and pitched with a bad hamstring last year. It may have been the wrong decision. He still took the ball. And I believe guys like Garrett Cole and Max Scherzer are bulldogs. They'll take the ball no matter what. And Jacob DeGrom is not that guy. He's just not that guy. And we compare him to Tom Seaver on the Mets level. He's not Tom Seaver. And he never will be because he's incapable of taking the ball when there's even a little bit of discomfort. A little bit. And this frustrates my fans. It's a pain in the ass to have to deal with this. And honest to God, I hope he's okay. I understand what you're saying. They need him to probably win a championship. Although I do like the pitchers they have. I still feel confident in this season, but it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, I mean, listen, I get what you're saying. I don't know who in his camp is telling him, listen, you need to get this MRI. You feel any discomfort right away. You know, we're not risking anything. And I get it. Maybe, you know, you're right. He's looking for that new contract after this year. So does he, re he, he really wants to be careful, but even going back to last year, he was doing it. So I don't know if he's just a super nervous guy with this stuff. And 
I'm not sure of his injury histories from his way early career, his early 20s, and if he had anything that, like, a Tommy John. Has he ever gotten Tommy John surgery during his career with the Mets? I know. I don't think I he think, has, right? I think maybe when he was in college or something, or maybe in the minors, but I don't right. know. Right. Who, who knows what it was? But, yeah, I mean, who knows how happy he is playing for the Mets? I don't know what he's doing, right? Is he looking at next year to sign a contract with the Dodgers or whoever? And get out of here and get as much money as he can and ride off into the sunset. We don't know. Only time will tell for that. But it's frustrating. I mean, get on the field, man. You know, you're you're you get a little bit of discomfort in wherever, in your elbow, your shoulder, or whatnot. You can't fight through it. I mean, every single pitcher, Max Scherzer, you guys literally a guy in your own rotation. Ask him. He was dealing with that whole dead arm thing last year, right? His it almost ball- t- it almost took the ball. Yeah. It and almost he, took the ball in elimination and he game. Want, and he wanted to take the ball. And listen, I don't think this makes Jacob DeGrom, you know, any lesser of a pitcher or anything like that. But there's a certain fire that that's in athletes and it's not in others. And, you know, it might not show all the time because Jacob DeGrom is one of the best pitchers of our generation. But when it comes – but let, let, let's face it, honestly, Jacob DeGrom has not been put on the national scale – in a high-pressure situation for the the level that we set him at, right? He went to the World Series with the Mets in 2015. We didn't consider him one of the best pitchers in the MLB or the best pitchers in the MLB. We didn't no. even consider him the best pitcher in his rotation. He was the two or three starter on the Mets that year. He was the best pitcher in the rotation that year. Now, but... yeah, but everybody was on Harvey. And yes. That was when Syndergaard was just coming up, and everybody was all over him. Um, Now... Jacob DeGrom is considered the best pitcher in the league. And the Mets haven't really made any noise in the past couple of years since he's been considered the best pitcher in the league. When it's time for him to step up, if the Mets do make a run and he does have a little discomfort or whatnot, are we sure that he's going to be able to perform to the level he can or that he will perform at all? You would hope that when you get to the postseason, these things change, right? You would think later in the season, these things would change. I don't know. But you got to ask yourself, I think he wants to be a Met. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't want to be a Met. He's in New York. He's got, if he goes to the, he's got attention no matter what. He's in New York City. And if he went to the playoffs, he'd get even more of it nationally. And he's beloved by this fan base. Does he think the Mets owe him something though? Like, I don't think the Mets owe him anything. Maybe he he believes, he believes that this contract isn't, you know, he's not, He's worth more than the contract. The he contract gave. was criticized when he signed it. Right. The, the Mets signed him to a good contract for them. Blame your agent. Don't take it on the Mets. That's number one. And number two, if you're the Mets, and let's say this goes on all year, okay, where a little Nick, a little knack here, and he's like, oh, MRI, oh, uh, you know, you got to shut me down. I don't want to get in the bed with this guy for another four years. Let him walk. Let him be somebody else's problem. As good as he is, I don't want to deal with it. I really don't. That's I mean, that's listen, where I'm at right now. If that's going on at 34 years old for a guy that throws 101 miles an hour and he's getting all this discomfort and everything, are you really going to want to give another four or five year contract extension to sign him into his 38, 39 season and expect his velocity to be at that level? And if it is at that level, how does his arm look? How does the rest of his body look? The wear and tear on his legs, his hamstrings, whatever. The problem that's with him what is, is that the problem with him is that he can pitch at a very high level, not using a hundred and 101. If he stayed around 97, 98, 
and used his slider the way he does and his changeup, and even mixed in his curveball. He doesn't because he doesn't mix it in at all. If he mix that in, he could still be the best pitcher in baseball by a very far margin. He doesn't need 100, 101. If you need 100, 101 in the seventh inning in a playoff game, by all means, do what you got to do. But in the regular season, in April, in a spring trading game, you don't need 100 and 101. You just don't. When Listen, his stuff knows? is that maybe, good, when he knows how he, to pitch. Maybe he can throw 104. You know, who knows? Like, I, I I, never understand how these guys, I know how spin rates work and guys tweak their mechanics and they could even, you know, get stronger as the years go on. But I never understand how these guys, oh, he comes in the camp, he's throwing four miles an hour faster than he was throwing last year. That stuff mm-hmm. is, like, crazy to me. Um, And who knows if it has to do with the velocity or it has to do how he – takes care of himself, how he freaking walks around the house. Like we don't, we don't know. Right. So all I do know is you're right. And I think Mets fans do have a right to be frustrated is guy. Everybody's going to feel a little bit of discomfort. Masahiro Tanaka, his rookie year with the Yankees partially towards UCL and he pitched the rest of his freaking career with it. He never got it repaired. Right. It felt like he was a ticking time bomb every time he went on the field, just waiting for him to fully tear it. And get Tommy John surgery, but it never happened. So there's going to be guys like that. There's going to be your Masahiro Tanaka's and your Max Scherzer's who have their dead arm, and it's going to be I, I want to pitch anyways. Give me the ball. And then there are going to be guys like Jacob Degrom who are honestly I don't want to like I don't really care. I don't want to get too uh, critical here, but it's soft. It really is. It's pretty soft. He's soft. I mean, oh, he's soft. I mean, you want to be you want to you know be the best pitcher in the world and you want to go out there and win a world series and do everything for your team then you're going to have to pitch through a little bit of discomfort i'm not saying you go out there you tear your acl you break your shoulder or whatever who cares go pitch but guy a little tweak in your hamstring or a little discomfort in your elbow and you can't pitch come on especially and early on you're going to be more cautious and i think that if it was any other player and you know maybe last season didn't happen and, and this comes out and you're like, okay, it's early. You, you don't want to risk it. If he is feeling this, you do want to get it checked out. But I think the consensus around Met fans is that we think he's just soft. Like, this is what he's being labeled as now. And, and it's really unfortunate for a guy that we think so highly of. Enough of that. If, if the news does break in the next um, you know, few minutes or so, we will let you know uh, what, what that is. Uh, I do want to move on though, because I'm I'm sick of it already, and I'm I, I was so excited to go to opening day, and I still am. I'm, and don't get me wrong, listen, we've seen crazier things happen. The postseason is a crapshoot. The Braves went without their best player in in the whole game, okay, last year, with 88 wins and won a World Series. So crazier things have happened. Right, but, you gotta get yeah there. on on paper, you would think the chances of them winning a World Series is less. But I do love the fact that we still have Max Scherzer on this team. Yeah, that's so a that nice fallback uh, to have. But yeah. like I said, you do you have to get there, right? You yes. have to first. You got to get into the tournament to have a shot. So yes, and I and I I think this is a good roster. We, we will see though. We will see. Um, okay, a little trade happened this morning. Uh, the Dodgers have traded AJ Pollock, the outfielder, to the White Sox for Craig Kimbrell. Uh, the Dodgers lost uh, Kenley Jansen a free agency to the Braves. Uh, they needed another arm in that pen, and they go out and add one. They already they already lost Knable as well to the Phillies, so they go add Kimbrel, who got off to a fantastic start last year, and then when he got to the White Sox, wasn't as good. 
Yeah, AJ Pollock's a nice player. All right, mm-hmm. I mean, I know we just talked about we opened up talking about Craig Kimmer on the Dodgers, but AJ Pollock is a nice player, and that's a nice return for the Chicago White Sox. He's a guy who, over his career, has kind of flown under the radar. He's a career 820 OPS hitter in a corner outfield spot, and he played center field earlier on his career. He could still play center field. Um, that's a nice get for them, especially, you know, the relievers. Craig Kimbrell's an elite relief pitcher. He's been up and down, right? He he came back with the Cubs, was really bad, and then last year put it together big time, had a really good first half with the Cubs, got traded to Chicago, struggled there. So I still think Craig Kimbrell will be an effective reliever for L.A., and you're right, they do fill that hole for Kenley Jansen. Um, but A.J. Pollock's a really nice return to get for the White Sox, who already have a scary lineup and just made it a little scarier, so... That's Pollock a really, really solid return for them. Pollock's had some injury issues. Uh, that's the biggest knock on his career. But if he's been healthy, he's been an all-star level player. So, uh, yeah, you're right. For a, a lineup that's already very good in Chicago, they got they got better today. And they have a loaded bullpen. Although one of their fireballers is out for the year. Yep, Garrett Crochet. Crochet, right. He's out for the year, they just learned. So, interesting that that comes on the same day they lose two right-handed relievers. But mm-hmm. still – they have the best close, maybe one of the best closers in baseball. So I think they'll be okay. Yeah. I mean, some of these teams are getting played by injuries already. They do have a very good bullpen still, the White Sox, even with Crochet being Kopich. on and Kimbrel. Um, yeah, they have Kopich. They have obviously the best closer in the game, Liam Hendricks. Um, but a lot of teams getting blown with injuries so far. And it's getting scary because injuries, you don't like to see them and you really hope they don't happen to your own team. Um, who's the guy who just got hurt? Giants. Longoria, finger. He's going to be out for a couple, at least the start of the year. It might be a, a month or two. A couple blows coming from this last week of spring training. Longoria's out? Yep. Finger. And he was good for them last year. He was very good. I, mean, I don't want to get too far into the Giants and what I think they're going to be because I want to save that for next week when we have our, uh, our big bad uh, MLB season preview. Oh, we, by Very the way, we didn't even address the whole one year thing. We posted something on Instagram. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, one year, what was it? March 30th or March 30th. No. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I post that? Yeah. March 30th, our podcast. We recorded the 29th and the podcast came out on the 30th. And yeah, here we go. Happy one year. Happy one year. Coming up on episode 60 next week. That'll be uh Episode 60. And uh, like you mentioned, we're going to do a nice night on Tuesday night. We'll be out Wednesday. We'll do a uh, prediction show as, as we did in our first ever episode where we, and that's cool. Episode 60. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Almost a year later, um, you know, MVPs, division winners, playoff world series. So uh, I'm very looking forward That'll to be that. Odd. I, I've been tweaking some things as we go along. I, you know, we, we sent in a group chat, you know, a prediction list of things. I love my MVPs. I got them down, but I'm not there yet really on the world series at all. I'm not even sure on my MVPs. I'm very sure on my MVPs. I'm so sure that when I, on my travels down to DC, because you cannot place wagers in New York city on in New York on, MVPs and things like that because New York doesn't let you gamble on things that are um, voted on by other people. I'm going to place my wagers on my two MVP picks. 
That, that's how confident I am. Definitely in one. Like one, I am so confident in. And the next one, I'm confident, but it's more of a long shot. All right. We'll see. Save it for next week. It'll it'll be a lot of fun. I, I really wish we were doing it now. Opening day was supposed to be yesterday. And here in New York, it was pretty crappy. So that would have been it something. Was. The, the Mets would have opened here uh, for their Seaver Statue Day and everything. Uh, the Yankees were in Texas, no? The Yankees were going to be in Texas. Isaiah kind of left a re- uh, reunion. As of right now, Thursday is showing 70% chance of thunderstorms. So, fingers mm. crossed. Yeah, you know, the, the weather in Washington doesn't look that great either. Not I'm as bad, though. Let me look. Is it, it's hoping. Friday. So, we're six days out. It's not as bad last time I checked. I'm hoping and praying. Oh, no, thunderstorms. But that's, that's uh, during the day. You're going to be in Florida, though. I am going to be in Florida. Yeah, you're not but even if the going Yankees to the game. game. If the Yankees game gets postponed to Friday, then I'm going to be mad because I'm going to have to miss the game. I won't be able hey, to. Hey, my, my opening day last year got completely. Oh, yeah. oh, you know, I completely forgot about that. We didn't even have an opening series. Yeah. But that was when, I'm... like, that was like Soto had COVID or something, yeah. right? Yeah. Soto had COVID. The thing about the Mets though, in this trip is that they probably play a doubleheader or something Friday, or they'll like just push everything back to Friday. If Thursday didn't go right in DC. So I don't know. We'll be fine. It's going to be chilly. They're good. I'm not worried. I'm not too worried. Just stay in Washington extra day. It's fine. I also just completely off track too. I want, I was talking about stadiums. I want to hit and I have to pass through Baltimore to get to DC to get Ooh, where I'm yeah. staying. Gotta visit Camden. Hi. I, they're not. They're on the road, and I'm really mad because you literally gotta pass. It. I mean, you get off one exit, you could park in the parking lot, go to the game. Right. So I was gonna say I leave Saturday from DC. It's actually Maryland. We're playing, staying like 25 minutes north of the stadium. I could have just went to Camden Yards. It's a cool stadium. I, I I'm not used to it from going to New York stadiums, but the way the stadiums like in that area in Maryland and North Carolina and over there. They like, they're literally in the city, which I'm not used to. Like, it's like a kind of an MSG type thing, but you know, that's an arena. It's a little smaller, but you have these baseball stadiums and these football stadiums like Camden Yards. It's literally in the city. Like you just right. walk right up. And it's the same thing when I went to the Jets game at uh, in Charlotte uh, against the Carolina Panthers, they, their stadium, you're walking through, you know, past office buildings and restaurants, and then you just turn a corner and there's a football stadium right there, which is really how it should be in New York. But, you know, New York's such a crowded space and, you know, there wasn't room to put put it anywhere and parking and I'm sure it was going to be madness and everything like that and everything so up pace in New York and whatnot. So they just decided let's put a football stadium in the middle of Swaplands and uh, the, the Meadowlands. Meadowlands. Yeah, it's funny you bring this up because a couple of days ago I was having this conversation on air about uh, the Bills' new stadium. And we're talking about the stadiums here, and the first thing I do anytime we talk about stadiums in the tri-state area is bash the toaster oven that is called MetLife Stadium because it's yeah. just it's ugly, it's disgusting. It actually looks like a toaster when you think about it. It does. And it's we're thinking about other locations to put it, and you can't put it in Suffolk County. And there's really no spot that goes in Nassau County. So where are you going to do it? I don't know. It's, it's, so I mean, confusing. yeah. Where would you put it? 
a massive, a massive stadium, a massive NFL stadium that fits at least what sixty five thousand. It would have to with the least. Nah. I mean, how many? How much does the does the the NFL fit in the stadium? I think MetLife's eighty thousand. It's that much, really. Uh, capacity. I know baseball ones like Yankee Stadium fits like fifty. No, I think. I think Yankee Stadium's a little less than that. MetLife's eighty two thousand five hundred. Eighty two thousand. Yeah. What's the Yankee Stadium capacity? I'm looking it up. 54,000. 54,000. What's City Field? Well, they're poverty. Who knows? Uh, see, all the new enhancements, 42,000. Oh, so my goal for this baseball season, I say it every year, but this year it's going to be the year. I want to go to 10 baseball games this year. Okay, whether, that's, yeah. whether that's 10 Yankee games or two Yankee games, whatever. 10 baseball games. I already okay. have two locked in. I'm going to the Yankee game on April 22nd against the Guardians, and I'm going to the Met game on April 18th or something. I don't even know who they're playing. Giants. Forgot to check. Oh, okay. That's a plus. Um, and then maybe going to Yankees opening day next week, but probably not because I don't see tickets dropping at all. And, Funny because uh, they haven't sold out on the – on their premier market on like not the secondary markets, but on the premier markets, they haven't sold out, which is strange to me. Really? Yeah. They, it's not considered a sellout, which dip a little bit, which I think could actually lead us into our next conversation, which I, I do want it to be about the Yankees, if you don't mind. And I don't mind at all. It is I just thought I had a DeGrom update. I didn't. Um, I think this Kind of wait. I want to hear about your goal. Ten games. Ten games. No matter if Met Yankee. You want to travel? Because I Met I Yankee, want to travel. I'd like to travel. I'd like to maybe hit Fenway once this year. Um, that could be a summer I'd, trip. I'd go to camp. Oh, PNC. Lock it that, in the summer. Let's go. Do you want to go when the Mets play? If you don't mind, unless sure, I don't care. Right, I'd be NL Central. I am 100% okay with that. Let's go Mets Pirates. Book, we'll book a hotel for a night. We'll, we'll roam the streets of Pittsburgh. We'll go right over the bridge, and we'll go into PNC. That's Perfect. one I really want to hit. I really want to hit that one. Pause. That one is – the PNC is one of the nicer stadiums in the league. It's just a shame that the team isn't so nice. Right. Oh, it's actually it's in September. Hmm. Let's go to, like, Pirates. Let's go to some random – Listen, I'm 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 game, but um. Anyway, all right, let's talk about your New York Yankees because I feel as though, from the sense I get from Yankee fans, a majority of Yankee fans, and you could call them the, you know, the terrible Yankee fans, the annoying Yankee fans. That's fine. There's a lot of pessimism around this team when it comes to these Yankee fans. They're not excited. They don't like the offseason. They don't like the way things have gone, and they're upset. And I don't know if that's, you know, the reason why they haven't sold out their first game. But if you listen to a majority of Yankee fans, they're unhappy. I mean, listen, does it have to do with them not spending the money? Who knows? Um, Honestly, I don't – 
I think the Yankees have so many fans and so much uh, uh, national attention that, or even regional attention, that I don't think it. The reasoning would be that, you know, they don't want to. People aren't happy with the way they handled the offseason. I think if anything, it could be who knows the lockout. People are pissed from the lockout. People, uh, the lockout ended so late that people haven't thought about it because things are happening so fast. Spring training shortened and. One eye could have to do with the economy. I, who knows? Uh, I don't know if other teams are dealing with the same issue. Other teams the Mets sold out. The Mets sold out. There you go. Um, it is strange though because it's it's not Yankees Orioles or it's not Yankees mm-hmm. Rangers. It's Yankees Red Sox. So it is a little strange that they haven't sold out yet. Um, I personally have the same desire to go to the game as I always would. I'm sure if Freddie Freeman was wearing pinstripes, I'd have a little bit of a bonus, uh, you know, <laughs> desire to go. But I really, I don't know if I could put an answer on it because normally I would say, oh, well, you know, it's April. People aren't going to want to go to the games as much because it's cold, but they sell out every April anyway. So who knows what it could be? Do you think that it's because of them not handling the offseason the way people wanted them to? I think fans are upset. Um, I don't see any reason why an opening day that consists of Yankees Red Sox should not sell out. I, I there's no other reason the, the Mets Diamondbacks sold out, Yeah, you know? And I, I think the majority of Mets fans before, you know, not 10 o'clock last night were feeling giddy, extremely giddy about the team. And, and they are still, very happy with the way the off seasons has gone and the owner and everything. Right. But they sold that out. I think a little bit has to do with it, but there are other factors. There's going to be other factors. Sure. But I, I don't know if I could say that Yank, I think Yankee fans are upset that I'll leave it at that. I think they're upset, right. but I mean, listen, this is I why was... I hate some Yankee fans. So you go. Now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was a little upset because, you know, we're, we see the Mets, our crosstown rivals are going out and spending all this money. The Dodgers are spending all this money and, you know, we're like, well, what about us? But, you know, when, when you kind of calm down and let cool heads prevail for a little bit, you know, you take a step back and you say, all right, listen, we still have the third highest payroll in the MLB. We didn't really lose anyone. This off. it's not like anybody really came off the books. And, you know, we're all of a sudden we have money to spend that we're not spending. We, everybody's still here. All our big contracts and Stanton and uh, Cole and uh, LeMayhew and whoever else is, is getting big contracts from us, they're still here. Uh, and now we're going to have to pay our judge, which hopefully gets done by the time opening day comes. So, listen, I don't think it's a big deal. I think if the Yankees do – extend judge i'll consider this offseason not a complete success but definitely not a failure because you lock that guy up you don't have to worry about that next offseason have that be a big glaring issue this team's gonna be good it really is it's gonna we won 90 games last year 91 games whatever it was and we dealt with some injuries we dealt with guys having some very odd years off years with dj lemayhu and glaber torres and other guys like that um, it's going to come down if Judge and, and Stanton can stay healthy. But you expect DJ to bounce back. You expect Glaber to bounce back. Joey Gallo was on the team for two months, played horrible. His OPS was in the 600s. You can't expect that to happen over a full 162-game season. It's such a small sample size. You'd imagine that production is going to kick up. 
Anthony Rizzo is a consistent player. Josh Donaldson's an addition that's an upgrade over Gio Urshela. Isaiah Connor for left provides with athleticism and better defense. The team is better defensively. The rotation is good. We're getting Severino back. He hasn't looked well in spring, but we're not, I'm not going to worry about that too much. It's still early. He's still trying to build himself back up. We really haven't had any subtractions. We've had a couple additions, and I think the team's just going to be just fine. Right. I think this is a good team, too. I think they're going to win 90-plus games. The division's really good. It's the probably the best division in baseball. So I think the problem with Yankee fans is that they didn't you they spent the money and they have the third highest payroll and they're over the luxury tax but they didn't spend the money on players that you may have thought they were going to spend on i mean listen looking at the way this offseason played out and who was on the board right do you really want to sign carlos correa to a big deal after hearing about all his medicals and everything like that i'm not going to lose sleep over that Freddie Freeman, he got a good contract, but you didn't really lose that bidding war. You just lost because of location and the preference of what team he wanted to go to. They gave Freeman a fair deal. The one guy that sticks out to me as, all right, that's a guy we lost out on that we probably should have signed is Corey Seager. That's the one guy where I'm like, that would have made the most sense for us. We needed a left-handed bat. He's a young right. guy, great hitter. He's dealt with a couple of injury problems. You know, Nobody's going to be a perfect free agent. But that's a guy that we probably should have should have gotten the deal with. But again, you have a guy like Trevor Story just went to the Red Sox on a six-year, $140 million deal. That's no small deal. And that's a guy who has not great splits on the road from his Col- his Colorado Rockies career. And we know about course field guys and how that works. So we'll see how it pans out in Boston. He's moving to second base now, which probably is a mistake because he's a better defensive shortstop than Bogarts, but I get it. You're not going to put Bogarts at second. If anything, he's a third baseman. Endeavors is there. But uh, the trade deadline's a thing. So maybe the Yankees just weren't really interested in a lot of these free agents and, you know, willing to break the bank for them. And instead, they want to look at the trade deadline as it comes up. But Corey Seager, and I didn't mention Matt Olson. Those are the two guys that would have made the most sense. Yeah, I agree with you. Seager at the beginning, they kind of felt like the guy they were going to end up with, the guy that they were most interested in, and he got a massive contract. And the problem of having – you have Stanton on a long-term deal for a lot of money. You have Garrett Cole on a long-term deal for a ton of money. And now you're going to be adding Aaron Judge to a long-term deal with a ton of money. So definitely we're not willing to go to a certain number with – guys you know long-term contracts were not going to be in the cards with these free agents because they had to retain their own exactly and they already signed free agent contracts now you want to argue you know i had this conversation a couple days ago i believe a mistake you know if you if you look over the last five years a mistake of this organization was letting bryce harper well trading for stanton and not bringing in bryce harper i think that fit made so much more sense and you also had a player that was um, sorry for the dog. Um, you have a player built for your stadium, and Stanton right. had dealt with injuries. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Harper's a guy that would have made a lot more sense, and he's obviously still playing at a high, uh, the extremely high level. Just won the NL MVP, and he's still young. I mean, it, did he even crack his age 30 season yet? I mean, he might be 29, 30 years old, whatever he is now. Um, yeah, that would have made sense. The Manny Machado one. 
listen, I, I'm not going to go crazy over us not getting Manny Machado. I think he's a guy who's playing just about to his contract, nothing more. You know, he got $300 million, and he's not really an MVP guy. He's just the guy who's going to give you a mid to low 800s OPS every year and play really good defense at third base. But Harper's the guy that, you know, you're probably looking back, all right, if you would have changed something, that's the change you would have made. But let's not act like Stanton isn't, you know, when he's on the field, because that's the key. We saw it last year. He's a, he's, a, he's a deadly hitter to have. And if Stanton would have stayed on the field and had that same year that he had last year over the course of his Yankee career so far, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. But obviously, reliability is the best ability, and he's got to stay on the field. And if he does stay on the field like this year, he's playing the outfield a little more. He's literally a guy where the sky's the limit. He could win an MVP. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at his numbers as a Yankee. Um, you know, I take Harper. Yeah, I mean, I'd still take Harper. I, I would take Harper 100%. I mean, he's been an excellent Philly. He's had a 958 OPS as a Philly in three years. Two and a half, oh, really. By the way, uh, Yankees Pirates, July 5th and 6th. They play the NL Central this year? They play the NL Central. We got to make a decision. Remember, that's... That's that, hot. That's, I'm Early in. July, sun is shining. I'm Yan- in. Yankees, Buccos. Pittsburgh, that's a nice little vacay. Yankees playing in Chicago, though. Oh, now you're going crazy. That's, that's I not know. I know. I'm just saying. Now we're talking Listen, flights. We're not driving anymore. The Mets go The Mets go there every year. The Mets go to these stadiums every year. So, yeah. I have the opportunity every year, but you you make the we, we have the opportunity, but you make the decision. Also, we could take a short flight over to Pittsburgh. It's like a seven hour drive. Oh my god, yeah. Pittsburgh's that far. Yeah, I it's I basically Ohio, Pittsburgh. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a pain in the ass. You, we might want to fly for an, you know, whatever it is, an hour to get there. Yeah, I mean that's right on the border of Ohio, basically. There's the Allegheny. Map talk. Here we go. Um, so th- that's a that's an interesting decision to make. That is interesting. Yeah, that's that's flight. That's flyable. I'm not driving seven hours. Exactly. Dude, that flight's probably like an hour. Let's get yeah. Spirit and when we're chilling. <laughs> Speed, you want you want to ride it with Spirit again? Yeah, it's an hour flight. I don't need you know leg room for an hour. I'll deal with it. <laughs> I'll be fine. Is that dog giving you problems still? Nah, a little bit. It's all right though. Um, what else do we got with uh, baseball here? You tell me, guy. Do you see the Otani rule? Yes, I did see the Otani rule. What's the matter? For some reason, when I said Otani, I thought I said Siri. Yeah, the Otani rule, that's going to be a big benefit for the Angels. How do you feel about it, though? I think it's a little, you know, I mean, I don't have a problem with it, but I think it's kind of obvious they're doing it because of Shohei Otani. I mean, literally why we're calling it the Otani rule. 
Ooh, cater much? I yeah, mean, it's good for catered. baseball. It's good for baseball. I'm, I don't I'm okay with it. And that. again, I I don't want to get too deep into talking about teams because I want to save it for next week. But the Angels, man, I was on them last year, and I don't want to bite the bait again this year. But they're a team that like. They have the stars, right? And, like, if Anthony Rendon finally puts it together over a full year for them, like, they have the star power. But they got to just from top to bottom with depth. They need to fire on all cylinders to get to the playoffs. And you need to get Mike Trout and Shohei Otani in the playoffs. You have the one in, number one and two best players in baseball, basically, on your table. And Anthony Rendon, when he's healthy, is a top 20 player in the game. So, come on. I, 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 I'm never, I won't buy into them. I can't buy into them. I know. I, I don't want to. I th- I I'm, don't not, I'm not. I, I've seen that too. I mean, I, I have the projections up right here from uh, a couple of these websites. Pakoda projections have them at 88 wins. Wow. And Fangrass has got them at like, know, let me see. They've got them at. 80 oh 83 a little less but still i don't think it's a 500 team spoiler no i mean listen the lineup is the lineup is good top to bottom when you get to the bottom not so good but we always we try and make this these excuses for this team for so long i'm not buying in i'm not buying in i can't we get i feel like it's the same team every single year i don't understand how it's like this. And, you know, thank your new GM uh, for the, for part of that. Yeah. I thank the owner, Artie Moreno. He's, he's something, that guy. Um, all right. Let's uh, – we'll take a quick break. Got some NFL news, a little bit of NFL news. And March Madness. We'll uh, do a little predict- predictions here with uh, the Final Four, Duke, UNC, and Kansas Villanova uh, when we're back after this. The s and Podcast Channel. The perfect channel for any style of podcast. We have all different pop culture style podcasts for all of your listening needs. If you would like to start a podcast, you can reach us at snpodcast at gmail.com. We are always looking for new podcasts to add to our channel, and the topic could be anything you want. So contact us now. Here we go. We are back. The Hardline Sports Talk episode 59. Didn't mention that in the beginning. Episode 59. Um, I'm Michael Merlo, and I'm with John Michael Masiri. Let's talk a little uh, March Madness as we've come down to the final four and all big time blue bloods. We've got Duke and UNC and this, there's a chance. This is the biggest game in college basketball in a very long time. This final four matchup right here, Duke UNC coach K could be his last game, but on the other side, it's, it's, it's another fantastic game as well. Not as much of a storyline and not as big, but Kansas UNC, uh, Kansas UNC, Kansas, Kansas UNC. Villanova. Yeah. Two, I mean, those are four powerhouse, ugh, powerhouse programs. Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, storybook, right? This is one of those, uh, are we sure that, you know, there's not somebody pressing the buttons to make sure these teams face match up against each other type oh. games. With Duke and UNC, I mean, it's almost too, you know, uh, good to be true. But, yeah, I mean, this is definitely the biggest, one of the biggest games in Coach K's career. It might be the last one. Who knows? I personally think this team's going to win the whole thing. They just look unstoppable. Um, But 
I think it's certainly going to be a good game. Coach K's last year, last game at Cameron, UNC spoiled it and won the game, right? But yep. Coach K's probably still got that bad taste in his mouth, and uh, he gets another shot at him before he hangs it up. So I think his guys are going to come out hungry and ready to go and ready to win for their coach. And I think this game is going to be uh, a Duke victory, and I think they'll match up against whoever comes out of that Kansas-Villanova game who are – you know, I mean, we're not going to question either team, how good they are. They're stars all over the place. They're both extremely well coached. Uh, two of the most famous coaches in college basketball. If Roy Williams was still around, you could argue that these are literally the four most popular college basketball coaches in the country. Yeah. Right. Coach K. Um, why the hell am I blanking out on Kansas's coach's name right now? Bill Self. Bill Self and Jay Wright. So you know, John Calipari, Tom Izzo, anyone else that uh, can throw in that conversation? I don't really. Shane Holloway. Shane Holloway. There you Shane go. Shane Peters. Uh, <laughs> no, you're right. Jay Wright is an underrated coach. How good he is. I mean, this is his third final four in six years, and he won uh, the last two championships. Um, he's been the last two times he's been in the final four, he's won the championship. Now, they're going to have an injury to their guard, Justin Morey, towards Achilles against Houston. And that's a tough loss because of how good of a player he is. So they are like a six-man rotation guy with him in. Now they're five, only five guys. So you have to take somebody from the bench and play him, but he doesn't have much experience, whoever that guy is going to be. There's going to be a dogfight if Villanova is going to win. I have a future bet on them, so I'm uh, you know, I'm rooting for them hard here. Villanova? Yeah, I got a little action on them at plus 1,400 after the Sweet 16. Oh, for the championship? Yeah, Villanova's the best free-throw shooting team ever as of right now. That's what I was going to say. The one thing about these teams that win the championship and make it far is they make a lot of runs, and they don't give up a lot of runs. That's one big thing, right? You go on these big runs, your 10-0, 12-0 runs, and they don't seem to give them up a lot, so they keep the momentum on their side, and they're such a good free-throw shooting team. A lot of these refs will get whistle happy and, you know, send these guys to the line 20 times. Um, And if you can knock down 18 of those 20, which is basically what Villanova can do. I mean, I think they're shooting 85%, 80% as a team from from the line, something like that. It's 82.5% for the whole year. 82.5%. So you go to the free throw line 20 times, you're making 16 or 17 of those compared to the other team might make 14 or 13 of them. So – that's a couple point difference that can win you a game. So, um, yeah, Villanova is a very well-coached team. Like you said, they play very well together. And that's what I was thinking about with the St. Peter's run and everything like that, which credit to them, I mean, Jesus Christ, the Elite Eight for a 15 seed is absurd. That, to me, is more impressive than the UMBC 16 over a one. I mean, oh, 100%. Getting the Elite Eight as a 15 seed is absurd because you think about – them winning in the first round alone is almost as impressive as that UMBC uh, win. And then to win two more times, it's just crazy. But that's what got me thinking is, all right, well, obviously St. Peter's doesn't have the talent that all these other teams have, but what is it that makes them beat them? And, you know, there's a couple different factors, but I think the number one thing is just playing together as a team and having chemistry and knowing how the trust in your guys and knowing where guys are going to be and how to, you know, move the ball around and everything like that and switch off on defense. If you have that, if you have amazing chemistry, then you don't need the talent. 
And, and that's why good, Villanova is such a good team year after year because, like St. Peter's, Villanova does that year after year with that great coaching. That's why coaching is so important is they're so well coached and they know how to move the ball around. They know how to play together as a team. They know how to communicate and they know how to defend. So, Yeah, you're right. You know, very good defensive teams. Uh, again, the free throw shooting, I mean, they're free and, and teams miss a ton of them and you're leaving – sometimes five, 10 points on the board and Villanova's taking those points from you. And like the coaching is so important. And Jay Wright's been so, so good over these past, you know, really decade since he's been there. So it's a credit to them and to St. Peter's that was an unbelievable run. And Shaheen Holloway, he gets a well-deserved six-year contract with Seton Hall, which is just amazing for him. I mean, just so amazing for him. He deserves it. And he had his press conference yesterday and he had uh, his St. Peter's team there and they gave him two standing ovations uh, during the press conference. He made sure that that happened for them. So he, he's an amazing guy and I'm really happy for him, but it was a very impressive run. It was much more impressive than UMBC. They took down a very good Murray state team. And then they took down a really good Purdue team in the sweet 16. And it, it, you could see it was running out you know, especially against UNC, but UNC, you know, wasn't an eight seed this year. That was, that was crazy that they are, but we've set ourselves up for a historic final four and that'll take place tomorrow. I'm very excited. I'm very excited too. Yeah, you're right. I mean, UNC being an eight seed, I think they got the seeding wrong a little bit there. Um, a little bit. Did you see that Xavier actually won the NIT yesterday? Wow. Very nice. Yeah. They beat Texas tech. I believe it was Texas A&M. Tech, Texas A&M. Which they were the team that was pissed that they didn't get in the tournament. Am I wrong? Who, Xavier? No, Texas A&M. Their coach oh, A&M. Pirate. Yeah, A&M was um, – they went really far in the SEC tournament. They upset a bunch of teams in the SEC tournament and lost to Tennessee in the final, and they didn't get in. Yeah, a 73-72 win for Xavier last night. So, a hell of a – Very nice. A tournament final. Um, just going back to Duke real quick. If AJ Griffin can play the way he played against Houston, like they're not, it's not, it's not even close. Right. Like they're easily going to win. It just kind of feels like that's the way it's going. I mean, Bancharo has been playing unbelievable. They have good size at the center. I'm blanking on his name. I don't really know his name. He's massive. And Roach, the, the point guard, has stepped up and played well, too. He had a couple of struggles in the middle of the season. He's played better, very good during the tournament. So it just kind of feels like it's inevitable that they're going to win. And I'm kind of mushing that because I really don't want them to win. But yeah. it, it, if all seriousness, they're the best team right now in the country, you know, with the way they've played. I don't think it's close. You're talking about that uh, Mark Williams that you're talking about? That's the, the center, center, right? Yeah. yeah. He's been – he's a beast. He's huge. Yeah. No, I mean, Houston Houston was a really good team, too. Like, I don't even – what were they, a five seed? Yeah, that was wrong. That was really Yeah, wrong. I don't even but, think yeah. – Houston was more like a three seed. They were not a five seed. So, we'll see. I think – I do think – I don't think Duke's going to steamroll them. I think they're going to win, but I think it'll be a good game. And I think UNC, you know, deserves that respect because they did beat them in their building earlier in the year. But we know how sports work uh, – that doesn't mean they're going to beat him again. Would you uh, take them with the spread four and a half? Yeah. Or four? I think it's four. I'll t- I'd take that. Although, Nova. I could see, like, you know, 
it is the <laughs> last game against UNC with Coach K, you know, the buzzer beater or something, something crazy like that, just because that's what happens. It's pretty crazy. Um, I like Villanova with the spread. That that would be my pick of the week. Kansas what will probably win. Spread? Four and a half. Uh, I don't know, man. I think Villanova wins that game. I hope so. I don't. I really well. hope so. You want Kansas to win? Yeah, bro. I don't want Villanova to win. I hate Villanova. Why do you hate Villanova? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I go to St. John's and they. Play oh the yeah, that's right. Big Big East. Maybe that's got to do with it. Maybe there's been uh, a lot of instances of Villanova St. John's curse outs that I've seen at MSG over my three years of being here. Well, yeah. So you want uh, you want my boys, my KU. Okay, you yeah. Bill Self, let's go. Oh, uh, I don't this... want to say any names, but you know, it was Villanova. Yeah. Yeah. Know, yeah. A certain guy on the team. Yep. Whole family in their yeah. heads. Uh, yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, this just in MLB has finalized its rules for logo patches on jerseys. Teams can start selling them for the 2023 season. The initial patch size is four inches by four inches. Alcohol, betting, and media Ooh. brands cannot do deals with teams. That's a big patch. Is it really? Four inches by four inches. It's big? Yeah, what do you know about? Well, four inches could be <laughs> big in certain instances, and then in other instances, not so big. Oh, I, I heard that was just, just right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, let's go to the NFL here. Well, they I don't, don't need... one, one thing on this logo thing. Yeah. I don't really think this is a big deal. I'm like, I, I, it's the same thing when the Yankees, when people are like, oh, they put the Nike swoosh on the front of the Yankees jersey. <laughs> like all these traditionalists, like, guy, can you freaking please put down your typewriter and like get with, uh, the, get with the times a little bit? Like, relax. Shots. Taking Listen, shots. I think if it's going to be like soccer where it says, you know, the team's logo is smaller than the actual ad. All right. Maybe that's a bit much, but you know, Yankees with a little freaking subway patch or whatever the <laughs> hell they put is a really big deal. As long as it's not like, as long as it's not like if the Yankees put an actual subway patch on there, it doesn't go with the Jersey. If it goes with the jersey, I'm fine with it. And on top of it, if I'm buying a jersey, I'm buying the replica jersey for 100 bucks, so it's not going to have the patch on it. Right. So I don't think it's a big deal. All right, very quickly in the NFL, uh, not much going on. Uh, we weren't here for the Tyree Kill trade. That happened uh, to the Dolphins. Uh, Deshaun Watson is a Brown. Obviously, when we do predictions and things like that for the NFL season, I really get into it more. We'll talk more about that. Also, with Deshaun Watson, he's probably going to get suspended, so we'll have to talk about it then as well. But the overtime rules have changed, and this has been a topic of debate for a very long time. Now in the postseason, both teams will possess the ball. How are you feeling about this? I'm loving it. You are? Yeah. Um, I wish they changed it in the regular season too, but at least a team season isn't going to end now because they, didn't, they weren't able to get the ball back. But um, I also think that – why can't we just like at this point? Why don't we just make it a quarter, like a like a no rules, just a regular quarter, and do a coin flip? Whoever gets the ball first, like there's still like a little bit of like sudden death ish to this, and it's like all right, let's just make it a quarter. I actually agree with you. I think that would be the best, but hey, it shuts all the people up that want, and I'm I became one of those people 
but it shuts the people up that wanted both teams to possess the ball uh, in overtime. You can't have a coin flip determine the outcomes of games and championships, and- but you are right. Let's say there's a game at the end of the regular season, week 18, that is going to decide a division or decide the last wild card spot. And you have an instance where the team doesn't get to possess the ball yeah. because they didn't change the rule in overtime. Yeah, that's true. There you go. Your, your season I mean, can still end on anything. Regular of it season. That. Um, yeah. 10 of the 12 teams in the postseason who, since this rule has been a thing, one who won the coin toss, 10 out of 12 of them uh, won, you know, won the game. Yeah. So 12 teams who won the coin toss, 10 of them won the game. So that's not 50-50. It should be six. It shouldn't be 10. It should be six. Right. And now I think we'll get to that number. Uh, The last thing here in the NFL, Bruce Arians is out with uh, Tampa Bay. He retires and he's moving into a front office role. You know, we, I had heard things. We had seen things about uh, Bruce Arians and Tom Brady. Their relationship wasn't the best over the last two years early on. Arians criticized Brady about a couple of things and the Bucks even went to him and said, why are you criticizing this guy? You know, he's here to sell tickets and this is in the first year, you know, he, we want to win, but you know, he's going to sell us tickets next year and the year after, and we don't want him to stay as long as possible. The structure of practices as well and how things went with the team Brady was not happy with. So uh, Arians out and it's pretty obvious it's because of Brady. Yeah, obviously. I mean, listen, Bruce Arians, that's what I said to you on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. I was like, you know, you said you're so confident the Bucs are going back to the Super Bowl. I said, I can't be that confident with Bruce Arians as their head coach. And now he's mm-hmm. gone because I think you saw towards the end of the year with the whole AB thing. And I'm, you know, I'm sure AB had a big deal to do with that. No, I don't think any coach could, uh, you know, deal with his craziness. Um, but, you know, the smacking the player and just the questionable coaching decisions and handling of the media. He's an older guy. I think Bruce Arians kind of outdid his time in, in Tampa. He is now he's like his his title reminds me of like when like you'd make a resume. I was joking around with you, like put on your resume for delivery driver, be like food courier or like you know <laughs> like you know food and beverage distributor or something <laughs> like that. His is like senior like advisement football advisement specialist or some like what that whatever the hell they're calling it he's basically like all right well you're not the gm you're not the coach you're not the vp of football operations you're not the owner you're just like there you got a little spot you're good yeah you're not a coordinator you're good you're on the payroll you're all right yeah shut up there you go yeah exactly so uh yeah that's a top bowls takes over uh, Todd Bowles, your Todd boy. Bowles, baby. Five-year extension, too. That's, ETS. Uh, what if I told you Todd Bowles would be the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady was the starting quarterback? Uh, yeah. I'd say, Five years ago. I'd say pass me some of whatever you're on. <laughs> Good for Todd. Um, all right, that's going to do it. Uh, episode 59 in the books. Like we said, next week, episode 60 is going to be our big MLB prediction show. Very excited for that. Anything else you got to say? I got nothing. Prayer circles for Jacob DeGrom. That's uh, that's what we're doing. Sure. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next time.